You're listening to the Back Porch Talk Podcast. Danny and Jason had many discussions and debates on the back porch while making pivotal investment moves with assets. That's right, with trading cards. They welcome you to the back porch and right into those discussions about current sports news with a fresh and unique twist. So come on and join us. Welcome to the Back Porch Talk Podcast. I'm your co-host, Jason. This is your co-host, Danny. And we have a fun-filled show for you. We are going to talk a little bit about the NBA, about the All-Star game, starters, reserves, how they're going to do it. Going to a little bit about Jackson State, the Milwaukee Brewers. We're also going to talk about J.J. Watt, now that he's a free agent, what's going to happen. And then we have a very, very intriguing trading car scenario so stay tuned for that but first to the association the nba look here man we're we're halfway through the season this shortened season and there's just a whole lot happening a whole lot of storylines going on in the nba right now uh, i would have to say this man i gotta start off with the brooklyn nets personally the brooklyn nets are balling out of their minds and this is even without kevin durant being on the court James Harden is balling and it's very interesting in, in looking at him now versus when he was down in Houston, not only Houston this year, but over the past five, six, seven seasons while he was in Houston, James Harden just didn't seem to play like this man. And I think the Eastern conference is in trouble. I think they're in trouble, man, because what I'm seeing in the Brooklyn Nets, man, even with a lack of a defense, they're going to get a couple pieces on the defensive side of the ball. But what I'm seeing, Eastern Conference got to watch out, man. What do you think, Danny? I agree, Jason. James Harden is playing with a purpose. We did the contenders, pretenders last time. But it really looks like Philadelphia and Brooklyn are on a collision course at this point in time. Mm-hmm. Now, Milwaukee, since we talked last time, won a man. few in a row. Come on, man. But back to your Brooklyn point, James Harden, with him facilitating, dropping between 10 to 14 dimes a game, it seems like, mm-hmm. putting up 20-some mm-hmm. points. He's playing out of his mind right now. And if he sustains this level over the course of the season, and then most importantly, in the playoffs, because this is where we see old James <laughs> fall apart and gas out. He's a very he's a great regular season player. This is his time to prove he's a postseason player this year. Mm-hmm. with KD and Kyrie. I'm hoping they stay healthy because that gives you the villain mm-hmm. in the playoffs where everyone's like, you want to watch them to either win or lose. Kind of like Golden State with Clay and KD and Steph. And it makes it an interesting playoffs. But I want to see this, similar to the Utah Jazz, in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. Boston Celtics. Looks like they're in trouble, man. Marcus Smart not playing it apparently is having a, uh, a pretty big impact to what's happening in Boston. I don't think though, having Marcus smart in the actual game or games are going to make that much of a big difference. I think they just have a fundamental problem, man. I mean, Kemba Walker has just been up and down more so down mm-hmm. uh, in terms of his playing. And, and so I don't know what's going to happen in Boston, man. I don't know if they go ahead and move Kemba Walker to get something uh, in return. I just don't know what's going to happen with Boston. I just think that 
Boston is in trouble. I don't think the coach is in trouble. I just think it's the makeup of the players. I think they need a, a decent big, and I just think they need some, you know, some additional pieces there. So I think Boston still is in trouble. What do you think of someone like a Valachunas from Memphis? I've heard his name thrown out there for a couple different trade scenarios. Does someone like him help them? Obviously, I agree. Marcus Smart is there. He's the guy that makes them go. So watching them last week, I think it was Sunday, they played the New Orleans Pelicans and they were blowing them out. And all of a sudden, I think it was there by like 24 and they just went flat. And Tatum and Jalen Brown have been putting up numbers, but I, I think it's Marcus Smart not being there and being on the floor because a lot of that, he's the catalyst. That's the word I was looking for, catalyst. Mm-hmm. He drives a lot of that. And Kemba's not that player. I, I just think something's wrong. I, I don't know if it's the fit with Kemba or I know he's been banged up too. I know his knees yep. mess, messing with him, so he's not the same player he was in Charlotte. So if they can swing that where they can get a different point guard in there, they need someone that's more of a defender. At the point, Boston needs something. I just think they need to mix it up. I, yep. And here's here's the other thing too, man. You know, sometimes teams when you play with the same players, mm-hmm. the same core players, that too needs to be factored into the equation. The fact that they are playing with the same core players, and maybe there's a there's a power struggle there. Yeah, uh, Jalen Brown is coming into his own. Mm-hmm. This is Jalen Brown's one of his best seasons, but then Tatum is the having as good of a season yes right so it's kind of like the give and take there yeah uh, and, and everything so we'll see what happens with that they need You're, to definitely make a move though because they're i can't put my finger on what's going on with them but they just they're just flat mm-hmm. i agree there i agree there man what about your lakes show i am not as concerned with this current losing streak by the lake show especially with ad being out mm-hmm uh, I am not concerned there at all, quite honestly. I mean, it is what it is. They're in a losing streak. Main player is not there. Uh, I do see them making some kind of a trade, though, coming up. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I really see that happening. I don't know who they'll get or what they're going for, but nonetheless, I, I think there's going to be some form of a trade. So we'll we'll see what happens there. What, what are your thoughts on Lake Show? To add to the AD piece, Dennis Schroeder being out as well for COVID protocol has hurt them as well because he's another scorer. And that's their point guard. So those two being out really shows or exposes their bench, really. This may be a blessing in disguise for them, even though they have a four-game losing streak, where now they can say, dang, for whatever reason, AD goes down in the in the playoffs, we're, we're done if we don't make a move here. And the person I think they may consider trading is Montrez Harrell. Mm, you think so? And, the, and this is the reason I say it. Montrez... He's an energy player, and but he doesn't have the height. For what he does, they need – this is where they're missing JaVale McGee and Dwight Howard big time because he can't he can't defend the paint. He can't – he's playing the five in, at sometimes where, like I said, JaVale McGee, Dwight Howard, they made up for those defensive uh, lapses or people going to the lane. They could clean that up. Montrez can't. So back to the Valachunas thing, <laughs> this is another possible landing spot, I think, for him if they're really trying to make a move for someone to be sitting in the middle because Gasol's not that player either. Gasol's not a mix-it-up no. type player. No, not at all. He's a perimeter Brooke Lopez three-point shooting type that can't even block shots. So this is where they're missing JaVale McGee and Dwight Howard down low. Harrell has value because he has a cheap contract too. 
and he can go in anywhere. He can go anywhere and play because he's an energy guy. He, he has no issue coming off the bench. But this is the move I think they need to make, and he has to be the player involved to bring somebody back. But I agree. I think a move will be made because this stretch here is exposing the lack of depth and where their inefficiencies are. And LeBron can't keep putting up all these minutes. No, I think I think LeBron is tired, man. I think he's looking forward to All-Star break, even though he has to play. Uh, I think he's just looking forward to this little time away. And speaking of the All-Star break, Kevin Durant, LeBron James are the captains out of the Eastern Conference. Uh, you have Giannis, Bradley Bill, Joel Embiid, and Kyrie Irving to join Kevin Durant for representation or to represent the Eastern Conference. And joining LeBron is Steph Curry, Luka, Jokic, and Kawhi. Again, joining LeBron as, to represent the Western Conference. And eventually Kevin Durant and LeBron is going to ultimately uh, select the teams. The reserves were announced as well. So out of the Eastern Conference, or to represent the Eastern Conference, you have Jalen Brown out of Boston, James Harden, Zach Levine, Julius Randle, Ben Simmons, Jason Tatum, and Vucevic. And representing the Western Conference, Anthony Davis, Paul George, Rudy Gobert, Damian Lillard, Donovan Mitchell, Chris Paul, Zion Williamson, and Devin Booker. And chances are Anthony Davis is not going to play due to injury. And that's why they went ahead and selected Devin Booker to uh, fill in that spot. I got a couple of <laughs> issues, I, I think, with just the All-Stars in general. One issue I have, quite honestly, man, is out of the Eastern Conference, I think, you know, it's it holds pretty good, okay? I don't think you can really knock Bradley Bill, even though the Washington Wizards are sorry. Yep. And... I don't know. At times, you kind of have to look at the actual numbers that's being put up on a sorry team. But Bradley Bill is leading the league in in points scored. Man, he ha- he's averaging about thirty two a game. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's kind of really at the same time talking hard. He's been balling out of his mind, man. But for the most part, the Eastern Conference is is pretty much there. Let me ask you this, Danny. Yeah. And I'm gonna give you my feeling. Then I'm gonna ask you the question. Mm-hmm. I believe Ben Simmons is overrated, man. Ben Simmons is averaging 15.7 a game, about eight boards a game, eight assists a game. Mm-hmm. Okay. And don't don't get me wrong. It's still decent, relatively decent numbers. Okay. He's obviously 6'10". You know, he can handle the rock, whatever the case may be. Okay. We've heard all that. But I'm just looking at his career averages. Uh, he obviously sat out his rookie season. Mm-hmm. His for real rookie season when he played the first season, uh, averaged about mm, 15.8, 16 a game. Second season, averaged close to 17 a game. Next year, 16 a game. And this year, 15.7 a game as of right now. So 16 a game. Yep. He's just hovering around at 16 points a game. Last year, he led the league in steals, touted to become, you know, or in the defensive player of the year. Uh, was on the all-defensive team, and I just feel that he's overrated. He can't shoot, or let me rephrase that. He doesn't show that he can shoot because he doesn't shoot the ball in the games. So I just feel that Ben Simmons is overrated, man. What are your thoughts on it? I think he brings a lot to the table defensively, too. For whatever reason, he doesn't like to shoot. But part of it, too, is 
is it because of Embiid? Is it the mix between those two that stunts him from being an offensive threat or wanting to be an offensive threat? And maybe that's just his game. His numbers. I like think it's just his game. And but on the defensive end, he's he, that's where that's where he makes his bread and butter, man. He's he's a great defender. He's a big defender. He's not Scottie Pippen. I'm not going there, but he's a big defender, mm-hmm. and he does a lot. So he fills the stat sheet. He just doesn't shoot. So is he worth the contract he's getting? Mm, but I think in the mm-hmm. in the scheme that they're in, could he be replaced? I think so. But definitely think he's an all star though for that team. Because if you look at mm-hmm. when Embiid was out or when Embiid sits out, Ben Simmons put up 40 points a couple times or high 30s. So he does have it in him. I just think he just defaults to Embiid for whatever reason and just plays his role and does everything else and lets Embiid get the shine. So I I get where you're coming from. But when Embiid is not there this year, he's went off offensively. I'm going to say I believe that the Philadelphia 76ers will trade Ben Simmons. Not this year. Mm-hmm. But next year, especially if they do not make it to the finals, they're going to want Doc to at least give this duo a run with Doc. Which makes sense. But I'm saying if for whatever reason they get an offer for someone who's a superstar talent, because Ben Simmons was going to get traded for Harden. He was part of the Harden deal if they did that. Mm -hmm. So they're willing to trade him. If there's something there, there's some type of deal they can't turn down, I definitely could see him get traded this year even. But like you said, if it doesn't work out this year where they get bounced in like the second round or something in the playoffs, mm-hmm. yeah, he's definitely gone. Especially the way we'll MB's what, playing this year too. Yep, yep. We'll see how it goes. The other one is, is Zach Levine for me. The Chicago Bulls are absolutely horrid. And they are putting in Zach Levine, first-time All-Star. Congratulations to him. He's averaging about 29 a game. Yeah, he's been hooping. Five assists and five boards a game as well. So – there's a couple other players that raised my eyebrows. How about you, Danny? The first thing that struck me was two Boston Celtics. Because <laughs> you're talking about yep. records. It would be tough to knock Jalen Brown for not making it. Tatum, it was a no-brainer for me. Jalen Brown's the one where I'm like, man, they put in two Celtics. Mm-hmm. Kudos for him getting a nod, but it was just like, hmm, I don't know about having two Celtics on the squad. Because then you leave out Bam out of bio. Mm-hmm. possibly Trey Young for, since the All-Star game is in Atlanta. Yeah, I thought they true. may put Trey Young on the team. Mm-hmm. So those were the two in particular. Very compelling argument. Let me ask you this, Danny. Yeah. Do you believe that Chris Milton got snubbed? Could he have replaced maybe either a, a Jalen or Jason Tatum to your point about putting two Boston Celtics on there? One can make the argument about putting uh, Chris Milton uh, on the list. What, what are your thoughts on that? That one I can buy because the Bucks are actually above 500 and Middleton's mm-hmm. actually been playing really well this year. Mm-hmm. I know he's had a couple, you call them stinker games uh, against some of the uh, better teams, but for the most part, he's been the most consistent player outside of Giannis on the team and he's having a great year. So that's where when I see two Celtics, like maybe it should have been two Bucks. I think Middleton should have been on the team for that simple fact of they're, the Bucks are a better team than the Celtics. Well, how about you? What do you think? You know, I think that Chris should be on there. He has uh, proven his worth, to your point, about the Bucks having a better record. I mean, you have to kind of go by that at times. I mean, they, uh, they do have a better record than the 
Boston Celtics. The only thing, though, in looking at Chris's numbers, last year he he averaged uh, 20.9 points a game. This year he's averaging 20.3 a game. Slightly down, still 20 points a game, but he's and he's playing more minutes. So that's something that is interesting. But here's the thing, though. Just as he's slightly down in points, he is up in assist. So he's averaging close to one and a half assists more a game. That's a compelling argument. I think he should be in there, quite honestly. He is a 40, 50, 90 guy. Even though right now he's kind of down in, in the free throws, he's shooting 89%, 89.5% from the free throw line. He is shooting... 43% from three and 53% from two. So it's rare, very rare you get a 40, 50, 90 player. And we've had him being very close, not only this year, but even last year. So I think he should be in, man. The Western Conference, I don't have any huge argument over the players uh, that were selected to represent the Western Conference, uh, with probably the exception of Chris Paul, because now you have two Phoenix Suns in on the team, Chris mm-hmm. Paul and Devin Booker. And then Zion Williamson from the New Orleans Pelicans, averaging 25, three assists and six rebounds, close to seven rebounds a game. I think out of all of them, Chris Paul, to me, is one to uh, not be, that shouldn't be on the roster. Uh, was an all-star, but he's probably on their first leadership, obviously. Yes. Um, on and off the court. Got to give him kudos for really supporting and repping HBCUs um, in everything that you know, is done through the NBA. So uh, I, I think he's really in there, especially from a off-the-court perspective there. So how about you, Danny? I think the major one I had when this first came out was Dane Willard. I kind of hinted at it last show, but I thought Dame should have been a starter over Luca. Dame has been playing lights out, man. And for Portland to be sitting where they're at, I know Dallas is getting hot now. Luca, from the global standpoint, is definitely the draw. But honestly, I think Dame should have been a starter over Luca. Other than that, though, man, I think, like you said, Chris Paul got in. I think Devin Booker should have been on the team. I know he's going to be the sub for ad but i think he should have been in either over chris paul or zion he's having a spectacular season the sun the suns are playing great but obviously it's just they're trying to draw eyes to the tv so you know zion wherever he goes eyes go so they're definitely wanting to get him in there not knocking his, he's having a great season i i can live with it i think the main thing was just dame being a starter Mm-hmm. Over Luca. This NBA All-Star Weekend is going to be extremely different, especially during this pandemic. And so they're going to actually have the skills challenge in a three-point contest be done before the actual All-Star game. Yep. And at halftime, have the slam dunk contest. Uh, so this is going to be very different, very interesting. I think it's going to keep eyes on the screen. But man, the tradition of having the skills challenge three-point contest and slam dunk contest on Saturday night, man, that's always been a tradition, man. I just remember growing up getting ready for it. I still get yep. ready for it, man. They're getting a little pizza or something like that, wings, whatever the <laughs> case may be, get in front of the tube or whatever and and get ready for all-star Saturday night, man, because yes. you see all the fashions, you see all the stars on the front row. 
with their at back in the day camcorders or whatever the case may be now with their cell phones not having it saturday night oh man it's breaking tradition but it's understandable during this pandemic i wonder if this is going to happen in the future post-covid now the mayor keisha lance bottoms an alumna of florida a&m university she indicated that she does not want folks to travel into Atlanta because of the pandemic for this all-star game. Now I have to say this, there's still going to be people coming into Atlanta. And if anything else, man, they may go to a shoe show, a shoe establishment. If y'all know what I mean, especially down in Atlanta, I think it's it's not going to be a whole lot of fans in the stands. It'd probably be only about a thousand fans. In my understanding, there's going to be some HBCU students who yeah. actually attends the game. Mm -hmm. uh, which is going to be cool. And I believe $2.5 million is going to be contributed to the uh, to HBCU. So uh, kudos to the uh, Players Association. I think Chris Paul may have had something to do with that. Yes. Uh, and I just think that uh, that's going to be big for HBCUs. But nonetheless, uh, this is going to be a very different All-Star weekend, All-Star Sunday night. <laughs> All right, Danny. So Jackson State played their first game uh, under the Coach Prime era and where they played Edward Waters just totally dominated that game, man. 53 to nothing. I watched the game. There were some fans in the stands, which was, which was absolutely amazing to see. The band was in the stands. Uh, cool to see in general. But specifically, I have to say this. Y'all please wear your mask. Y'all please social distance even in the stands. What I saw, it was they were just entirely too close for my personal comfort. I'm just hoping that they really take note of that and really improve upon it throughout the course of this spring season. There were coaches on both sidelines, but more so on the Jackson State sideline that weren't they weren't wearing masks. Now my understanding is that they did get tested before getting on the field, but at the same token. I just think that they really need to take some things under consideration a little bit more moving forward and even coaches uh, wearing masks. We just need to be really mindful that we're still in the midst of a pandemic. 53 to nothing was an outstanding victory for Jackson State and Coach Prime in his first victory, but it was honestly uh, marred by a little controversy here. Coach Prime in his post-game conference indicated that uh, during the game, his possessions, his uh, valuables were stolen out of his coach's office, but it was later recovered and returned. And I just think that interesting look, and Danny, you and I, we talked about this before. I watched the game and then saw on the social media press conference and nonetheless the reaction to his presser. There were a lot of people saying that he should have kept it in-house, whatever the case may be. The man just won his first coaching game. Very emotional. Just got game football. A lot of kudos. And nonetheless, he's surprised by none other than Troy Aikman. And then to get his stuff stolen or for him to realize that his stuff was stolen, but eventually later return later on that evening, anybody would be upset. But the more I thought about it, in full disclosure, this is completely my thoughts, and this does not represent any thoughts of any organization I'm involved in or anything of that sort, this is completely my thoughts. But the more I thought about this, the more I actually love what he, what Dion did, because you're trying to elevate the, the standard, not only on the university level, but even in the city and even in the state. And 
it's time out for all this, man. And, you know, I, I think that this is going to bode well moving forward because, again, he's setting a standard. Mm-hmm. And I, I think that that standard is going to resonate. It's going to have ripple effects throughout the city and throughout the state and even throughout HBCUs um, as well. So what do you think, Danny, about Jackson State's victory? Well, Jason, I also watched the game, and it was good to see football. It was on a Sunday. Jackson State had their first shutout. Granted, Edward Waters is an NAIA, but they had their first Mm -hmm. shutout since 2014. And some of the plays they were running, they had NFL influence to them. Football-wise, I think they have a lot going in their, their favor. It'll be interesting to see how... Everything goes when they pick up again in the fall. We talked about this. So they're playing a full slate of games, and then they have to play a full slate of games again a few months later. For the most part, they look pretty good. The offense was on point. So I think it was, like I said, it was exciting to see football again. Seeing Coach Prime on the sidelines was pretty cool. Dapping up the kids and everything as they came, all the athletes that as they came off the field. So it just had a different feel to it, man. And it's spring football. So this is going to be something unique. It will be battling over now March Madness, which is coming up in a couple of weeks. So it'll be good for them to get their shine before March Madness possibly takes some of that away. And now J.J. Watt is now a free agent. The big question now is where is he going to go? This is just going to be a very interesting next couple of months, probably next few weeks, quite honestly, uh, in terms of where he's going to go. I don't know, man. This is going to be interesting, man, because he has his brothers playing for the Pittsburgh Steelers. I don't know how much money the Steelers really have to offer. I think it'll depend on what Big Ben does, Jason. I think they're going to renegotiate his contract. That's what I mean. So if they knock it down a lot, they may get the space they want. But you know what? The Pittsburgh Steelers got other needs, too. So that's going to be... But, man, that would be something that, you know, be able to play with your brothers. But I even see J.J. in a Packers uniform. Something about coming home. Mm-hmm. And not only that, the Packers were right there. This is going to be an interesting decision. I know he talked about maybe even going to Cleveland. Now, I don't know how that all kind of shakes out. They made the playoffs, yes. But I just don't know about Cleveland in terms of the quarterback position. That's just still a little shaky. I mean, he's a little shaky for me. I just don't know. If I was J.J., I would look at that like I could potentially go with Aaron Rodgers, yep. elevate my home state not only play for the Wisconsin Badgers, but play for the Green Bay Packers and be the one to get them over the hump into the Super Bowl. Or I have the Browns who are kind of like, they, they are kind of there. They're in the playoffs. Or you have your brothers to play for in Pittsburgh and play with in Pittsburgh. So if they had the right money. So yeah, this is going to be interesting to see how it all shakes out. With J.J. Watt, you mentioned the Packers, which that's the team I'm leaning towards. The Browns thing may be tied to Joe Thomas. because Joe Thomas was from Wisconsin, and Joe Thomas was there as an offensive tackle forever. So I don't know if there's some type of association there with the Browns, too. A couple teams to watch out for. The L.A. Rams. For whatever reason, man, I don't know how, by hook or crook, they can get people in there. And to be playing with Aaron Donald and Jalen Ramsey, on an already solid defense and with Stafford being there don't sleep on the Rams it's going to be very intriguing like you said a lot of teams now are starting to figure out like their cap situation how they're going to approach the draft so they're starting to get into that right now so all this chatter I think that's all it is because I think these teams honestly haven't really thought about it yet so it's going to be very interesting to see where he goes because I think 
he may sway a couple different deals as well where teams, depending on their cap situation, may be able to pull a couple other people with them. Not, I think the other team to watch out for is Buffalo because mm. they need some defensive help, and they're right there too. Mm-hmm. So there are a couple teams he could definitely go in and help their defensive line. So Buffalo, and they, I think Buffalo has some cap room. I think he's going to go with the Packers, man. I think so too, but these are other teams yep. that yep. he may definitely consider because they're right there. You're right there. Mm-hmm. And I know Buffalo had a bad showing in that game against Kansas City, but I believe they're going to make some defensive moves this offseason to improve that. Should be interesting. Should be interesting. And speaking of J.J. Watt, what's our trading card scenario, Danny? So tonight's trading card scenario, Jason, is Reggie White's 1986 Topps rookie card for J.J. Watt's 2011 Topps rookie card. A couple quick bios. Reggie White played at the University of Tennessee and started his career in the USFL with the Memphis Showboats until the Philadelphia Eagles signed him once the USFL went under as a league. Uh, Reggie was a 13-time Pro Bowler, eight-time All-Pro, two-time Defensive Player of the Year, Hall of Fame, Hall of Famer, one-time Super Bowl champ, played 15 seasons, and had 198 sacks. J.J. Watt was the 11th pick out of the Wisconsin Badgers or from the Wisconsin Badgers in 2011 by the Houston Texans. He is a five-time Pro Bowler, five-time All-Pro, three-time Defensive Player of the Year, 2010 Hall of Fame All-Team. He's in his 10th season and has 101 sacks. So, Jason, which car do you want in your portfolio? The fans know where I'm going with this. So I had an opportunity to look at the film of both J.J., Watt and Reggie White in their college days. Okay. And let me just say, oh, how far technology has come. And looking at Reggie White's tape, his film, his his highlights, I'm thankful for technology. Reggie White was dominant with Tennessee, man. I mean, he played all over that defensive line, including in the trenches. So when we think about Reggie and his career, that includes USFL and also NFL. Reggie played all over that defensive line, man. Mm-hmm. Defensive end. I mean, he was down. I mean, nose tackle every everywhere. Just pure dominance. I looked at JJ Watts highlights uh, from Wisconsin, and I'll just say this, man. He was just agile, quick, powerful. I mean, he was just a locomotive. I mean, he was everything packaging one. Yep. But it was something about that dominance that Reggie had that it struck fear in people, man. I <laughs> uh, remember looking at also in, in, in I saw an interview by Lawrence Taylor. Mm-hmm. And this is when they were announcing the 100 greatest all time players in the NFL. And Lawrence Taylor said he doesn't think that he's number one. He looked at Reggie White and said, that's number one. That's a whole lot of kudos coming from LT, man. When we think about the comparison and we think about the portfolio, man, I got to go a little bit deeper here uh, from a historical perspective, because just as we're talking about J.J. Watt, right, possibly coming to the uh, Green Bay Packers, we get, I got to talk about when Reggie, when he became a free agent, he actually came to the Green Bay Packers. And at the time, that wasn't really... A popular thing. Reggie White changed the game. Okay, when it comes to free agencies or free the free agent process, and so when Reggie White came to the Green Bay Packers, 
I got to give you this, this fact here. I'm looking at this article and it says the Packers gave the seven time, the then seven time Pro Bowl player a four year, $17 million deal that included $9 million the first year, which would be $6 million before he even put on shoulder pads. White will get a $4.5 million signing bonus, a $1.5 million reporting bonus, and a $3 million in base salary for that year. He also gets $8 million over the next three years, so his salary would be, would then be $3.15, $2.85, and $2 million in those consecutive years. And so Reggie White said he looks at this like a Charles Barkley situation back in the day where Charles Barkley went from the 76ers to the Phoenix Suns. And then Reggie White said, hopefully my career can be rejuvenated. At the time, that contract, he became the highest paid non-quarterback and the third highest paid player in the history of the game. Quarterbacks John Elway of the Broncos and Dan Marino of the Dolphins were the top two at that particular moment in time. This was a game changer because as soon as Reggie came to Green Bay, other free agents started to come to Green Bay. Mm-hmm. Okay. And it really started to really mold the championship team. And I have to give kudos to Ron Wolf. Ron Wolf was the then GM. And he wrote a book called The Packer Way Nine Stepping Stones to Building a Winning Organization. I'm going to quickly run through. The list of the chapters is this really interesting uh stepping stone one identify what needs to be fixed stepping stone two hire the best before anyone else does stepping stone three developing an obsession with winning today stepping stone four play to your strengths stepping stone five use the four c's certain devotion certain dedication certain work ethic certain results to measure performance stepping stone six making it work stepping stone seven keeping it going stepping stone eight handling the unexpected and lastly staying on top and so i had to pull that in about ron wolf because what he did with first of all getting reggie white and really molding this team so it's just real interesting and i have to say this too man in free agency the then Green Bay Packers coach, Mike Holmgren, he said this himself. He said he called Reggie and said, Reggie, this is God. I want to play in Green Bay. And then he hung up the phone. <laughs> Come on, man. Come on, man. And so as I was watching Reggie White's highlights, it was just real interesting, man, because this to see Reggie White play against some of the all time great i remember seeing in the highlights him tackling emmett smith him actually tackling barry sanders and oh who can ever forget sweetness walter payton this is amazing and so as i was watching the highlights again i'm seeing all his moves man i'm seeing his his one arm where he would just go ahead and just completely wipe out people you know with that one arm the club move when he would just you know bull rush uh, players. I mean, Reggie White had all the moves you can really think of, man. It was just absolutely phenomenal. And oh, by the way, who can forget when he was in the Super Bowl against the Patriots and he produced the sacks to really help solidify the games. 
So, Danny, mm-hmm. to put the cherry on top. Now, I don't know if JJY actually has a nickname, but you can't get really any better than the Minister of Defense. <laughs> I mean, it's kind of hard to reject a minister <laughs> of defense. So with that, I have to have Reggie White in my portfolio. Let me give you an, another impressive stat. And you mentioned it. Yes, Reggie White had two Defensive Player of the Year awards. But the amazing thing about that, his first Defensive Player of the Year award was in 1987. His second was in 1998. Yep. Over a decade later, J.J. Watt's Defensive Player of the Year was pretty much almost consecutively. Mm-hmm. But Reggie White... A decade later, I got to have the Minister of Defense, and I got to have it in my portfolio. There's not much else I can add to what you you said already. This one was pretty cut and dry. From the car perspective, they're very close. They're very close. But I think the 1986 card is the one I want as well. J.J. Watt's card, it may, depending on what happens, he has some time left in the league, and some things happen where he – ends up getting a Super Bowl, I'm going to want to trade for his card and have that in my portfolio. But at this point in time, from the car perspective, I'm definitely going Reggie White. Thank you for joining us at Backports Talk Podcast. You can also join us on Twitter by tweeting us at back underscore podcast. For more information, you can go to our website, which is backporchtalkpodcast.com. You can also email us at backporchtalkpodcast at gmail.com. Again, thank you for joining us. And remember that there's enough hate in the world. So go ahead and spread a little love.